Welcome everyone to another episode of the Profit Max podcast where we bring you added value because if you read this book you get lots of value but sometimes it's good to hear perspectives from different corporate leaders and that's what this whole program is about every week we interview one or two corporate leaders industry leaders to tap into their insights their experience and their knowledge base and sometimes when you hear it from a different perspective you get some new nuggets as well so today we're very pleased to have with us um Mr. Rodney Wong, who is the CEO and also a board director of Munchies, the huge biscuit company. And I'll be introducing him in a little while, no? But, you know, Munchies, I mean, as, as an SME, we have to take on all kinds of competition. We work in very competitive scenarios. And Munchies is one of those organizations who has to fight not only the local competition, but also international players. So I'm very happy to have with us um, the CEO and board director of Munchies, Rodney Wong. Hi, Rodney. Hi, hi, uh, Peter. Uh, thank you for having me. Um, yeah, great. Maybe great. I, let me yeah. just give a quick, quick introduction. Uh, sure, sure. Myself. That'd be great. That'd be great. Yeah. Yeah, I've been with Manchi for seven year, years. Uh, I'm the CEO. Uh, but a lot of things that people don't know about me, I started uh, really from the bottom as a sales rep with uh, the Rothmans of Palma, uh, uh, one of the largest. Uh, a cigarette company in the past, and I think they folded into um, um, what's the name of the company now? Uh, the, but anyway, so so Benson and Hedges company, right? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh, no. No. Rothman of Palmau is uh, Dunhill. Dunhill. Yeah. Yeah. I know. So they they merged oh. with the uh, Benson and Hedges company, which I can't remember the name. Yes. Now. Yes. Yes. British now, American uh, yes. 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 It is folded yeah. into. BAT now. Eh? Yes. Uh, so I started my craft there as a sales rep and then I moved on to uh, a totally different category, uh, uh, the medical diagnostic uh, uh, with Abbott's Laboratories. Uh, spent a couple of years there. Then I joined Unilever. Uh, I spent most of my time in Unilever uh, learning most of the sales craft there and really great company and great leaders. And I left uh, to be part of the pioneer team uh, with Coca-Cola when Coca-Cola has taken the business back from FNN. Uh, so we, we, uh, we set up the route to market and of course the other team set up the factory. And later I moved to Petronas, uh, Lubricant Malaysia. I was heading that business uh, for, for a period of time. Uh, we did a very interesting business transformation there. Moving from a very uh, trading uh, kind of uh, model to a FMCG model. Uh, then my good friend from Manchis, uh, who is the founder, uh, called me and asked me to come in and uh, help him to run the business. And uh, I've been here for seven years. And Manchis, as everyone knows, we are today the number one biscuit brands in Malaysia. Something that we are really proud of. Uh, um, from a very small startup to today, the largest uh, biscuit company in Malaysia. Um, we also export to about 50 countries. Uh, some popular brands that you may be familiar with is Lexus, uh, Hot Crunch. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of Hot Crunch, actually. Yeah, wow, that's great, that's great. Uh, and, and you can't be wrong with Hot Crunch. Eh? I'll, I'll tell you a little bit more later. 
Yeah. And recently, we launched our Munchie Cracker Plus uh, 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 pack with uh, wholesome goodness. Like uh, it's a really a healthy segment that we're moving in. Uh, uh, one of the ingredients, example, one of the variant, you have chia seed. You know. Mm. Uh, during my free time, I volunteer with uh, Childhood Cancer International, where I sit in the board, and also is uh, this year is appointed as the vice president. And also, I continue to work with the Sarawak Children Cancer Society. Uh, I've been there for about 20 years. Oh. Also, I, I do mentoring. Uh, I work with an NGO called Endeavor, uh, mentoring startup uh, CEOs. Uh -huh. So I hope that gives you a glimpse of uh, my very humble career. Yeah, it's amazing, no? You've come a very long way, you know? Uh... Ronnie, and and uh, I, I know academically you also have an MBA, right? Yes, yes. Uh, uh, it's a very interesting story. Uh, I, I never actually went to college, yeah, uh, because we don't come from a very uh, strong financial background as a family. Uh, so when I started working uh, in the 80s, I realized that you need a good uh, document to prove how good you are, right? Mm. So uh, I went on to do uh, 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 correspondent courses, uh, doing my uh, diploma in marketing. And during that time, MBA was a wretch. So I also took up MBA uh, part-time. Uh, I, I still remember I was juggling, uh, been having a young family. Uh, my daughter was just born and uh, I have to spend time uh, when I was traveling, trying to read up on the subject and uh, prepare for the courses uh, uh, in the public library during the weekends. So it was quite challenging time, but I guess it's all worth it, right? Uh, mm. Personal development is so important uh, yep. and uh, it got me to where I, I am today. So yep. yeah. uh, it's well-invested uh, kind of development for me. Yes, yes. I think it's also testimony of your drive and determination, no, Rani? <laughs> yeah. So very good. Well done. Congratulations on that. So um, maybe you could share with us a bit about the biscuit industry and how competitive is it? Yeah. Uh, well, biscuits, uh, Malaysia is really a major category. Um, high in-home penetration, 90%. That means most of us have some kind of biscuits there in your house, right? So yeah. hopefully the brand will be Lexus or Crunch or Munchies. Uh, uh, although it's really matured, it also has steady growth uh, between 2 to 3% every year uh, are growing. Four, four big key players, uh, you have us, uh, Munchies. Uh, we also have uh, multinational Mondelez. Uh, you have Hapsang, everybody knows they are, they are crackers. And you have Julie's. Uh, so four player basically dominate 70% of the market. And of course, there are many other local and international players as well. Mm. So, so in, in biscuit as in food, yeah, uh, test will be a key con consideration. Uh, you have multiple flavor, multiple format, like sandwich, cookie, crackers, uh, and, and uh, well, very well spread out uh, distribution. You walk into any mom and pop shop or supermarket or mini market, you will be able to get uh, uh, 
buy any biscuits. Okay. So maybe Ron, you could tell us what are some of the key success factors in the biscuit uh, industry and how, how has uh, Munchies been able to achieve number one in the very highly competitive scenario? Well, uh, <clears throat> so when, when I first joined Munchies, right, um, uh, it is, it's a great company, yeah? uh, well-developed brands, uh, growing well, high-quality product, great people. Um, but at the same time, uh, it has really invested ahead of the curve uh, in terms of uh, commercial spending, in terms of uh, people development. So you have a large team, uh, but the business size is still not that big. So the choice really at that time before I joined was uh, having market share uh, at the expense of profit. So then I asked the founder, I said, hey, you brought me in, what do you want? Yeah. So the founder, I asked him, he said, so what do you mean? I said, do you, are you looking for profit or are you looking for supply or market share? I said, I can try to do one of each. Yeah? But if you want both, it's going to be a challenging, right? If you want market <laughs> share, you must invest. <laughs> so the founder is, is very shrewd. They asked me, what should, what should you think I do? I should do. I said, look, you are a local business, right? Um, I think we should go after profit. Yeah. So uh, then you said, okay, if that is your direction, uh, lead us to grow more profit. And the other thing that I realized when I joined the company was uh, we were doing a lot of uh, uh, activities to drive market share. Uh, I remember there was an incident where, you know, the commercial team came to me and said that, look, I need you to approve this promotion. Uh, I said, why? Uh, normally, you know, you go through finance, uh, the CFO should be able to approve this. Uh, then they said, uh, no, uh, CFO said, ask me to refer to you. So I was looking at their form. I was new, right? So the, the promotion, the proposal form, I look at it and it looks to me like uh, you have a negative ROI. <laughs> so, so then I asked them, I said, so does this mean that if we do this promotion, uh, it's a Chinese New Year promotion with one of the largest retailer, um, we will have a negative ROI of 250,000. Uh, they said, yes. <laughs> and, and I said, what if we are very successful? You know, but if we double the result, then we will lose half a million. You know, <laughs> uh, then I asked them a very simple question. I said, look, if this is your own company, would you do it? Uh, so, so there was a pause. And of course, they said, no, they are not going to do it. I said, that, that is your answer, right? <laughs> uh, then they said, can we cancel the promotion? I said, sure, you can cancel the promotion or you can redesign the promotion to come up with something, you know, but at least uh, giving us profit, right? Business mm -hmm. is about growing profit. So that's when I launched uh, what we call the path to profitable growth, uh, uh, which basically try to strengthen the business fundamental uh, as well as to drive the financial discipline. Uh, um, so, so that's one thing that uh, uh, the challenges that I find when I 
joined the company. The other one was uh, there been a local business. Uh, most local businesses have less focus on people development. Uh, yes, we have great people. I, I, I can tell you, I've worked in a lot of companies, but the Manchi team are really people with very strong will. Yeah, You give them a direction, they will do whatever they can to try to achieve the result. Uh, but at the same time, uh, being a local business, if you have not invested in the growth of your people, uh, there is a, a gap in skill. So we started to invest in the people uh, in skills. Um, for me, high sight is uh, 2020 vision. Uh, it's all about learning and uh, applying what works well and uh, avoiding what didn't go right. Yeah. Mm. I, hope that, I hope I answered your questions. Yeah. So what I'm hearing from you is um, the way you took it, um, the way you grew it, grew the company was, well, first of all, you, you changed the mindset and the orientation of the team the commercial team by asking them some basic fundamental questions and getting them to focus on profitability, which you had already got alignment from the owners that that's the way you want to drive the business initially, right? And in yes. addition, you also discovered that there were some skill gaps in the team and realizing how important that is, you started to upgrade and upskill the team. Yeah. Fantastic. Yes. Very good. So, um, well, the, then how, how did you take it from there? I, so that was the initial, I guess, the first phase of your, of your first, uh, your seven years there. Um, maybe you can tell us how, how did things progress from there and how did you, you know, eventually end up? Because I think you were not number one at that time, were you? No, no. So, so strategy yeah. is really important, right? Uh, mm. uh, and uh, you need to have vision in the company, yeah? Mm. Uh, so our our vision is very straightforward. We we want clarity and we want uh, uh, we we don't want to have a, a a vision or a mission that is you know very cluttered and people don't understand. So we came up with uh, three very simple uh, pillar. Yeah. One is we want to be number one in Malaysia. Yeah. Secondly is uh, we want to. Uh, Build a strong business, uh, what we call uh, the Southeast Asia powerhouse. Yeah? And it makes sense because when you want to grow market, uh, uh, proximity to your uh, source of supply is uh, very important, right? Uh, because our factory is in Malaysia, uh, it makes sense for us to focus on the surrounding market. And if you look at Southeast Asia, Southeast Asia is one of the highest growing uh, uh, region in the world, and uh, you have uh, a really large population. Yeah. So you have a good consumer base, and it's close to your your source of supply, mm. and, and that gives you uh, a good access into the market. And furthermore, if you although Southeast Asia is very diverse, uh, it's also the the consumer are also fairly similar uh, in some extent, right? Uh, if you look at Indonesia and Malaysia, you have the the Malays and uh, in Indonesia as well as the Malays in Malaysia. If you look at the Philippines as well, some of the habits, some of the consumption habits is really this, uh, is quite similar as well. Mm. The other one that we look at, uh, so the, that's the second pillar to build a Southeast Asia powerhouse. And the third pillar is for us to enter a new business. Um, I think 
for us munchies we only play in the biscuit category yeah mm. and that is basically putting all our eggs in the one basket and it's very important that we explore another category so uh, uh, that's why we came up with the the third pillar is for us to enter a new category so since then uh, we have we have uh, taken uh, market leadership in Malaysia. We have started to grow uh, our business outside Malaysia, uh, focusing in the Southeast Asia region. Yeah, uh, still a long way to go uh, because it's not as simple. Uh, it's really challenging when you try to uh, grow the business outside uh, the country because uh, there are a lot of investment to consider. And third is uh, something that we have worked on. Uh, we used to, I think in 2015, uh, I joined the company in 2014. So in 2015, uh, we negotiated with a, a European company company to uh, start a joint venture on a seven-day croissant. Uh, so we launched that uh, uh, soon, uh, I think in 2018, we we set up the factory, then we launched the new category. Uh, unfortunately, due to structural, corporate structural changes, uh, today we no longer own the, the business. Uh, so we are still back to square one and uh, we are still looking at developing uh, another category, uh, preferably uh, adjacent category that can complement our route to market our our industrial capabilities yeah okay very good excellent so um clarity in your vision number one to be number one in malaysia and then to expand and take advantage of the huge uh, southeast asian market and then number three new business and then unfortunately there were some changes in that uh, in the jv with the jv company yeah okay very good so how long did it take you to get to number one, uh, Rod? Well, um, I think this is a very interesting story that I wanted to share. Uh, yes, please. In order for us to drive uh, the financial discipline and making sure that uh, we are making the right decisions uh, uh, to grow profit, uh, we put in some other Rates. For example, if you are running a promotion, you need to have a ROI of 1.2 versus your previous promotion. Um, we also say that look, if you want to launch new brands, uh, it needs to have uh, more better margin than your current portfolio because it doesn't make sense for you to launch a new product with less margin, right? And mm. eventually it will, it will eat into, into your, your margin. So, so these are the fundamental that uh, uh, we put in. What was the question again? I kind of miss it. Yeah, I was asking. You know, how how did how long did it take you to get to number one? No. With, oh yeah, yeah. Thing? So yeah. yeah, so so that that was the the story I was going to tell you. Um, so because of the financial discipline and to get our people away on focusing uh, just buying market share. I think all of us have been FMCG before. Is mm. uh, If we want to really drive market share, we can spend in some of the channels and we will be able to get good traction on the share. So I removed the uh, market share KPI from the company 
uh, company KPI. I still remember the marketing director was uh, not very happy about that. Uh, she came to see me and I said, look, let's focus to build fundamental. So um, we started to look at uh, four areas really. Number one, uh, continue to uh, develop and also uh, produce a great quality product. Yeah, I think in any business, uh, uh, your number one uh, go-to uh, strategy have to be a product. It have to be a great product. Uh, if you launch a me-too product, the chance of you becoming successful is very difficult. Uh, example, if you know you go and eat your wonton mee, right? Uh, next door, you want to open another shop. Uh, your wonton mee have to be better than the other wonton mee. So you have yes. to may maybe give a bit more char siu or give a bit more wonton or you know something like that. Uh, because otherwise, it's going to be very difficult for you to challenge the incumbent. Incumbent. Mm. Uh, so, so we focus on our product, uh, and, and, and the good thing is, is our founders are also very uh, uh, focused yeah, on using the best ingredient for our biscuits. So if you taste a munchy biscuit, yeah, you, you really have a great tasting product. Yeah? I, I remember uh, when I first joined the company, the, you know, we are on the financial discipline, right? So of course I look at places where I can uh, reduce wastages, uh, reduce costs. So I told the founder, I said, hey, you're really using this chocolate that is really expensive. Uh, can I change it to another type of chocolate uh, for one of our product? And he said, no, uh, we should always use the best ingredient because if, if your ingredient is not of the best quality, then your product will not be the best testing and then your consumer will go away so that's the fundamental that we have having a great product second yeah. thing that we look at is how do we develop a strong route to market yeah uh, i think having a great product is one thing uh, but the ability to reach your consumer is another thing right mm -hmm. so we uh, develop strong basic fundamental we build the talents to run the route to market whether they are uh, modern trade, general trade, uh, wholesale, uh, special channels. Uh, so, so we did that. Uh, the other, the third thing is, in order for you to be number one, you need to invest to grow your brands. So prior to that, uh, we we invest in NP, we invest in commercial spend, uh, but we we are not that focused because we have a number of brands, right? And we only have this little amount of money. Yeah. Mm. Uh, you know, you, you never have an unlimited amount of uh, spend, right? So uh, we then refocus and said that, look, uh, Lexus and OddCrunch is our power brand. So we only focus uh, uh, spending on this brand uh, coming up with the uh, campaign to drive the growth of the brand. Uh, and today, if you look at... Uh, uh, all the third-party reports, uh, uh, we have one of the highest top of mind uh, uh, for biscuit brands. And last but not least is uh, innovation. I think innovation is absolutely important. Uh, so what we did was in order for the team to continue to churn out uh, 
innovative, innovative products, uh, we put in a hurdle right into our company KPI and said that look, 10% of the business must come from uh, innovation, uh, uh, newly launched product or MPDs uh, uh, from the last 24 months. And that is served, uh, propel the company to continue to launch innovation. And today uh, we are recognized, uh, and, and this is S.C. Nielsen report, uh, we are recognized as the leading innovative company uh, uh, for biscuits in Malaysia. So I guess that is the kind of a flywheel that we have uh, uh, continue to come up with great product, continue to improve our route to market, uh, invest in our brand to grow and lead the market in innovation. And that's got us to uh, become the number one brand in Malaysia. And it, is, it has been a very exciting journey. Uh, of course, holding on to the number one is another thing. Uh, yeah. So, so it has been very challenging. And of course, there are months that uh, we lost that uh, uh, number one, but uh, MAT volume share, we are still number one uh, mm. in the last uh, few years. It's great, man. Okay. Um, so who would be your number two closest or number two or three closest uh, competitors? Are you, are you, is there one well, trend or? Well, the, the multinational company definitely is, uh, uh, well, it depends on whether you look at volume or value share, right? Uh, mm. As a brand, we are number one, uh, but in terms of value share, Mondelez is number one. In terms of volume share, we are number one. I so uh, I tend to look at uh, how many consumers are eating munchies today. Mm. Yeah. So if you go on that uh, basis, we are the number one because okay. uh, we are the volume share number one. Great. Excellent. So um, you talked about brand building there and focusing the budgets on Lexus and Old Crunch. Yeah? And that made a difference. One of the things that made a difference. Um, can you give it an idea how much budget you would put behind A and P? Um, well, we we are not a multinational. Typically, multinational will put eight to ten percent, and it depends on category. Right, uh, yeah. we put between six to eight percent uh, of our top line into uh, MP. Yeah, yeah. Uh, of course. Uh, even even you have six to eight percent top line into your MP when you spread it across uh, many brands. Um, it's not that significant. However, if you put it behind one or two brands, it really propels the brand. Yes. Um, so uh, my my sharing with the, your listener is that uh, look, uh, it's always uh, very tempting, right, to invest mm. invest in uh, all the different brands. Uh, but uh, uh, does it make sense or not? For example, when we are looking at our our international business strategy, we export to 50 countries. There's no way we can invest in 50 countries. Yeah. And we also do not have the resources to invest in 50 countries. So then it becomes a strategic choice. Where do you want to invest? And yes. we landed on Southeast Asia. Yeah. Um, of course, we export, we export to America, we export mm. to South America, we export a lot to the Middle East. We are in China, Japan, Korea, Taiwan, you know, but those market is a bit further away and uh, also it's highly competitive market. And for us, 
trying to understand the consumer investing in research uh, is going to be very challenging at this point in time. Uh, are we interested in those markets? Yes, but uh, it's but not at this time, you know. Yeah. So uh, our roadmap is let's get our act together in Southeast Asia before we start thinking about markets mm. that is far bigger and further away from us. Yeah. So a couple of things there, you know, Rod. So you, you, you started by talking about clarity and that's absolutely clear. And then the strategic selection, you know, working with the limited resources. And as I tell my clients a lot, very often, you know, less is more. Sometimes less is more. So focusing our limited budget, for example, on a couple of brands and building them to be power brands was a good strategic de decision rather than spreading yourself too thin across so many different products that you have and then not really making a real impact, right? And then now focusing on Southeast Asia rather than you know spreading yourself all over the place, even though you're in 50 markets, but you've taken the, you have the ability to select and pick and, and well, well studied on the, the factors, no? so knowing that Southeast Asia, there's a lot of commonality in the consumer groups, in Indonesia and Philippines, for example, and the consumer habits are very similar. Uh, so if you're talking to the Muslim market, which is huge in, in Indonesia, I guess the halal factor plays a big role and, and synergizing from all that, huh? very good. Okay, um, I want to shift a bit, uh, Ronnie, to talk, also talk about your team, because no? I think you have, I, 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 can, I don't know what's your sales, what's your staff force, but it must be in the hundreds or maybe a thousand people. And uh, well, I guess, I guess in, 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 uh, in materializing any strategy, in, in, in executing any strategy, teamwork is essential, right? So uh, I guess it'd be the same for Munchies, no? So maybe you could share with us, um, your, 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 what you've been doing behind that, no? behind building a great team and a strong team and you were talking about skills and all that. So maybe you can shed some light on that side of things. Yeah, um, well, I think teamwork is a given in any company, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. How I look at this is, uh, let me use an analogy. Uh, I, I look at teamwork as like a jigsaw puzzle, you know? If all the pieces are in place, then you get a beautiful picture, right? Mm. Uh, so organization are set up with uh, different different function. Uh, your finance, you have uh, 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 sales, your marketing, your ops, your industrial, so on and so forth. Yeah. Um, each of these function have to play their role well. Yeah. Um, and. It's not really which function is important. Uh. We have uh, heard debates about which function is important. Uh. I remember uh, when I was a young manager, I attended a, a workshop and the facilitator asked this question, which function in your company is the most important? Of course, as a sales guy, then I was that sales is most important, right? <laughs> and then the marketers will say that, look, uh, we are the most important. If we don't launch product, you have nothing to sell. Then the industrial guy came up and said, hey, we are the most important. If we don't produce, you have nothing to launch and you have nothing yeah. to sell. And finance will say, if we don't give you money, you have nothing to launch. <laughs> so, so the debate is ongoing. But the point that I want to drive is each function have a role to play. 
And mm. every function need to play well. And if we play it well and in a very coordinated manner, that's when you have teamwork, right? So for me, uh, it's about building talents. Uh, when you talk about teamwork, it's really about building talents, uh, whether it's internal or external talents. Uh, team, for team to function well, you need to have clarity in the common goal. Yeah, but uh, you, you can't have finance asking for financial discipline and commercial guy, you know, just go on spending as they like, right? So then they will, you will have a disconnect in the direction. Uh, you need to also put in a very strong motivational factor. Yeah, uh, It's not really only about compensation, it's also about recognitions. Uh, it's also about the, uh, the ownership of, that's uh, that team, right? Uh, but the most, the two most important thing I find that works very well for teamwork is you need to have constant communication. You each of the function is of the team member need to know what's going on, yeah. Uh, because a lot of time uh, when you have, uh, um, how do I say this? Uh, when you have uh, challenges is due to miscommunication yeah uh, the last bit and this is the most important bit will be trust you need to build strong high level of trust among your team member mm. you, you 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 have to as a team member you you can't be watching your back all the time you need to know that hey my my team members have my back yeah so whatever i do if i miss some steps they are going to come in and they're going to support me and they're going to carry me through so okay. that is what uh, we have built uh, so uh, can, can you maybe share with us how do you how do you do that uh, how do you how do you keep common constant communication going in an organization of hundreds or thousands and how do you yeah, we how have, do you how do you how do you make sure that people are open and honest and, and really covering each other how how do you so, yeah, is that, a, is that how yeah. do you build the culture and all that? How, what are the practices? So I just seem, I, there, there are a lot of pieces yeah, in this blog, right? Uh, mm. I, I just share one one simple thing that uh, we have done. So when I first joined Munchies uh, and I start talking to people and I realized that uh, communication was uh, not really uh a key focus and also uh, there, are, there, there seems to be uh, a lot of uh, a lack of trust yeah, really among the function. Mm. So I started what I call a leadership uh, weekly meeting uh, every Monday, 2 p.m., one hour, hold the head of functions. The, the GM will come into the room, uh, no agenda. Uh, we have a whiteboard uh, and then we will write, we'll ask finance, do you have anything to share? Right. I will write on the whiteboard and then we will get all the topics from all the different functions and then we'll discuss it uh, one by one and collectively make decisions. Uh, and we did that for the first uh, two years. Every week, no exception. Yeah, One yeah. hour only. And uh, the team members asked me, uh, who's going to take the minutes? I said, look guys, you are all major leaders. Let's not take minutes. Uh, we need to trust that if this is what we are, we are, we said we are going to do, then we have to do it. And I'm not going to come back to the next Monday and say, hey, Mr. CFO, have you done your piece or not? I think that's not the point. But the idea is, number one, 
because you have 1,200 people so in the company, right? So you have different functions doing things differently. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So there are a lot of happening. And not all the time you're able to share this, but we create this, this uh, forum or platform that we are able to share all the happening. So that's one. Second thing is by spending time together as team members, one week, one hour, talking very openly, very transparently, you started to build that trust. Yeah, because a lot of time uh, functions uh, really uh, don't realize that. Uh, for example, if you're in sales, if you make some commitment uh, on the uh, cash fill on the uh, your delivery lead time without talking to your supply chain or logistic uh, members, right? Uh, it will affect them. Yeah. All right. Likewise, if you started to control inventory without talking to your commercial team, it also affects them. So the point is, whatever decision that we make has to be aligned across functions and everyone needs to understand the goal behind the decision and uh, that my decision in this function is not going to impact yours. In fact, it is going to help you. So there is one very simple thing that we did and it promote really great cross-functional understanding and it built trust. Yeah. Mm. Uh, of course, there are lots of other communication that we have done. Yeah. Uh, second you. thing is, uh, I mentioned about uh, building a strong team, right? Mm. Uh, it's about getting the right talent in. Uh, I think uh, listeners need to understand that if you bring in the wrong talent, there is a cost to it. And it not only costs yeah. uh, resources, but it also disrupts your business. Yes. Uh, so as a CEO, I, I, I spend about 30% of my time interviewing uh, from assistant manager up. And in fact, yesterday I have an uh, interview uh, with uh, well, a key account manager and uh, the ladies mentioned that, hey, you know, you're CEO, why are you interviewing me as a key account manager? Uh, so I explained to, to her and I took the time to share with her. I, I think it's very important that we get the right talent in not mm. only on the skill set, but also having the right uh, uh, behaviors, uh, having the right culture, and, and most importantly, does it fit into our company? Yep. You can be the best talent, but if you do not have the same culture, it is very difficult to fit. It's very mm. difficult to change behavior. So I think if you are able to bring in the right talent, uh, say for example, we think teamwork is very important in Manji, right? We want to bring people in who have a high uh, sense of teamwork rather than if you bring in a lot of individual kind of performer, then mm. it doesn't match with your company culture. Yep. You know? So these are the two things that we did. Uh, and uh, I must say, uh, the Manji team is uh, really, really good people. Uh, very, very strong will. Uh, and, and we have, uh, through all these things that we we have done, started to move into a high-performance culture. And that's why we are able to deliver our, our results uh, year in, mm, year out. Mm. Of course, during the pandemic, is a bit uh, of a different picture, right? <laughs> yes, that's excellent. No, uh, uh, Rod, I really like your whiteboard one-hour week meeting with uh, your leadership team and really trashing out the issues very openly and uh, the concept of not having minutes and then that's slowly building trust. And I like how you devoted two years to it because it's not, I mean, transformation or change. 
doesn't happen overnight, doesn't open over three months or three weeks. No, it takes, takes some time. So you're stuck with it for two years, building up that, that culture of openness, sharing, and then handling issues and challenges there and then in front of your leadership team. Fantastic. Very good. Okay. Uh, moving on to talk about, you know, you're talking about the pandemic time. So that, that leads me to ask you, maybe maybe you can finish up on this. Um, you know, a lot, of, a lot of companies have, a lot of SMEs have challenges. In normal times, doing a plan, right? So in this, in this very highly volatile and uncertain times, uh, to do planning is a lot of them are telling me, how can we plan? Things are so uncertain, so volatile. So I just wanted to get your perspective, you no know, Rod, on how do you guys do planning? Um, do, you, do you still plan in, in these in this times? And, and what, are, what are some of the things you do there? Well, planning is absolutely important. Uh, <laughs> I think uh, all of us know that uh, this saying that uh, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail, right? Absolutely, yeah. Uh, but if you look at what is planning, planning is but the set of activities or action to allow you to achieve a desired result. Yeah. Mm. Even in pandemic, we still want to achieve result. It's just, it's not that we're going to throw the result out of the window, right? Yeah. Um, but I also want to say this, without a plan, you still can achieve result. It's, it's not that you can't achieve result. Mm. But this is what I call result by accident. Yeah. So end of the year, you know, you open your ang pao and wow, we achieve our target and we are so happy, right? But that's the problem with our planning because there is planning is about a design. You know, you design that plan this way, your your sets of activity or action that you're gonna carry out in order for you to reach that uh, result. And why is planning so important? Uh, because it creates what I call a repeatable model. Yeah. If today I plan to achieve number one in Malaysia, market, uh, number one brand in Malaysia, we know that the set of uh, plans that we put in, the set of activity that we put in, they allow us to do that. And we can then take this, lift this, and shift it to another country and apply the same thing. Of course, uh, different market dynamic come in, so on and so forth. But you know that you have a model that allows you to repeat those results. Yeah. Now, in uncertain time, uh, and we are in uncertain time, right? Uh, it's in the pandemic. Uh, one of the things that come to my mind straight is Murphy's Law, right? Mm. Anything that can go wrong will go wrong. Uh, we, yeah. we didn't know that the government is going to tell us uh, beginning of last year uh, that you only have 50% resources. Yeah. And you go wrong at the worst possible are, time, right? Yeah. Yeah. How are we going to run our lines when I, we only have 50% headcount? I have 1,000 people in the factory. If you give me 500, then I for sure can't produce the thing. So, so going back to this example, uh, last year when the MCO first started, uh, there was a huge upsurge in panic buying. Uh, I think I'm sure your, your wife also rushed out to buy food, right? Because we are locked down for the first time in our life. Yes. Uh, and and, and, up, and yeah. biscuits, yeah, biscuits been essential. Uh, it grew 50% in wow. the first month of the lockdown. Now, you think about it, huh? We only have 50% workforce, market grew 50%, and our customers are clamoring for our product. We have to review our plan. Yeah? And that's where planning come in, right? So then what is the plan that you need to have? So for us, uh, we pivoted into cutting down all our, we, we have 
course, we we export to 50 countries plus Malaysia plus Singapore and Brunei. We have about 400 SKU. We cut down a number of SKU to 28 SKU. And 28. that allow us 28. Uh, no, 428. Uh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Why do we do that? Because it allowed us to run the lines non-stop uh, to gain the highest efficiency and output. And that enable us to meet the uh, market upsurge. Yeah. So if we have not done that, then uh, uh, we would be producing the 400 SKU, then you have your your supply chain disruptions, uh, you have the logistic disruption that will not be able to give us the result that we have gotten yeah, last year. Okay. Second thing so, that I wanted to share is uh, you need to have uh, contingency planning. Uh. Planning is not only mm. about the first set of plan. Yep. And in the difficult time, have contingency plan. Yeah, Run your scenario. And uh, one of the contingency plans that we look at is after the first MCO, we realized that with 50% headcount, uh, it's not only us, but our supplier only have 50% headcount. So we, we have a problem uh, sourcing for materials mm. because they're processing half, you know, yeah. and uh, both packaging material, both uh, raw material, we also have a problem. So built in the contingency plan and said that mm. this is what we're going to do. We're going to increase our, our stock holding, our inventory of uh, materials. We're going to increase the inventory of our uh, finished goods. And that allow us to tie through the period, right? So uh, during pandemic, it is even more important to plan, but you plan with various scenario you know, in, in mind. Because uh, if there's a scarcity scenario, what do you then do? If there's upsurge scenario, what do you then do? If you only have 50% headcount, then it's even more important to plan your, your uh, manufacturing schedule. You know, it's even more important because you can't have 1,000 people, you're going to have half. What are you going to do with that half? Uh, the choices need to make. And choices have to develop into the plans that you're going to execute later on. I hope that gives uh, you a good perspective of uh, planning uh, during uncertain time. Yes, definitely. Some very good insights there, Rod. And and I just want to say, you know, that you know some people look at it and then you know the grass is greener on the other side uh, paradigm, no? And they say, yeah, this guy is lucky because he's in the essential goods uh, industry, you know. But I I think that last point you said where. You know, you, you have to follow SOP, you have to comply with SOP. And yes, the market is there, but when your when your SOP is where you can only produce, uh, where you can only have 50% of your workforce, that's still a very major impact, no? So how you have dealt with it by looking at different scenarios, I think that's very good. So um, I'd like to thank you, Rod, for all your good insights and generous sharing. And maybe we can finish up by maybe tapping into your brain and asking you, what would be one or two pieces of advice that you would give to, to SME during this challenging time, this pandemic times? No? Yeah, I, 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 yeah, this is a very uh, good question. I've worked about 30 years, 38 years now in my life. Oh. Uh, uh, I can tell you the past 18 months has been the toughest ever. Yeah. 
there are just so many moving parts. After the first MCO, you have uh, RMCO, your CMCO, and lately we have the FMCO, and we are now stuck with 60% uh, workforce for the yeah. last three months. Yeah. Uh, and if you look at the challenges, uh, if you look at, uh, for example, freight costs, freight costs has uh, gone up uh, two to three times, and in some market, they have went up five times. Uh, example, uh, a normal time uh, container to Saudi Arabia is maybe 2,500 USD. And today is close to 8,000 or 10,000 USD. So, um, but times like this, uh, I just want to share. Uh, to me, the most important thing is your people. Your people are the most important assets. Uh, you need to retain them, you need to motivate them, and uh, you need to make sure that you upskill the, the, your people during this time because handling a pandemic, a business during a pandemic, and handling a business during normal time really is different, right? Yeah, it's crisis uh, management. Also, yeah. Yes, also, uh, I'm also very pleased to share that, uh, uh, well, you can say we are, we, we are. Uh, lucky because we are still in the essential category, right? Uh, we have not cut a single job, uh, not a single salary since the pandemic. Uh, mm. And we've been holding on to our people. And that's something that I'm very proud of the company. Yeah? Uh, so I, I, I have a couple of uh, uh, sharing, I wouldn't say advice. Uh, one, remain calm. Yeah. That's very important because if you go into a panic mode, you can't make great decisions. So you need yeah. to remain calm. Yeah. Uh, secondly, you also know that it's a matter of time. Uh, this uh, it will go away, and it will. You know, uh, if you look at the Spanish flu in uh, nineteen eighteen and nineteen nineteen, I think uh, mm. it, it it went away. You know, yeah. so um, no need to get overly excited. Uh, the time will pass, and this will go away. Uh, second thing that I, I, I would recommend, develop a good uh, business continu continuity plan. Uh, um, uh, example of a business continuity uh, BCP is to how are you going to protect your people? Like in Manchi, we have a clear set of SOP to protect our people and we invested in that. Uh, in the past 18 months, we invested more than 3 million additional. Yeah, in benefits to protect our people. And, and mm -hmm. of course, by buying masks, by buying sanitizer, by giving them uh, uh, meals, uh, lunch, so that they don't want to go out and expose themselves when they come to the factory or the offices, uh, by giving them uh, additional allowance incentive you know, to keep them motivated. Yeah, So that's one. Second thing, engage your customer. Yeah, uh, There will be challenges in supply chain, so on and so forth. So you need to have a constant communication with your customer, particularly your key customer. So they know what is your challenges and you also at the same time know what is the challenges and how do you then uh, pivot to a plan that can help one another. Uh, stabilize your supply chain. Uh, like I shared earlier, one of the way for us to stabilize supply chain is to increase our inventory. Yeah, um, I'm not saying that this will work for every company. It works for us. Uh, other categories or other industry may be different. Yeah. Uh, another important consideration, conserve your cash. Yeah. Uh, when the MCO first hit us, uh, we immediately draw down uh, uh, our, 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 a few loans to make sure that we have enough cash 
in the company to tie us through any period, right? But of course, uh, we are lucky in the sense that we're essential. We continue to be able to market our product and we are able to get revenue. Uh, but not all companies uh, or not all industry are able to do that. Mm -hmm. uh, this is a few examples of uh, a BCP uh, business uh, continuity plan. And the last bit of uh, sharing I want to offer is uh, do a lot of scenario setting. Yeah because scenario setting will allow you to evolve your plan, allow you to build a contingency in case if scenario happens, A happens, what do you then do? If B happens, what do you then do? We spend a lot of time doing that. Uh, I, I, and if you have enough uh, scenario setting, you have enough uh, contingency plan, then whatever moving, moving parts that's gonna happen, you are able to at least handle it, right? And you will not be like, you know, uh, uh, blur, you know, about what's going to happen next. So I, I, I hope this helps. Uh, well, we, we are also learning. Eh? We are also yep, learning. Uh, we are not saying that we know what's happening, but uh, we are yeah. also grateful that we have great team members, uh, great leaders uh, in the company who came out with all these things, mm. you know, to help the business. And uh, I, I must say, uh, despite the pandemic, uh, uh, we are lucky to have uh, one of our better year last year. But of course, this year is continue to be a huge challenge. Uh, so hopefully, uh, we will all get through this uh, together in one piece. Uh, but yeah. like I said, it is just a matter of time. This will pass, and then we'll be back to chasing target. We'll be back to 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 trying to grow more profit for the business. Yes. Yes. Okay. So on that note, uh, Rod, I'd like to thank you once again for your time, for your sharing, for your insights and uh, learning uh, experiences. And uh, wish you all the best in your continued journey with Munchies. So take care and stay safe. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Peter. Thank you.